So as we kick off our Christmas uh, series here at Connect, we're, uh, we're actually going to follow a title called Love Gives. You know, what I loved about that commercial was you got little Jake, you know, who's fighting with his sister. He's a nuisance. But if you caught it in the letter he wrote to Mrs. Claus, he says, I really do love my sister, and I want to give her what she wants. And that's kind of what Christmas is about, isn't it? It's, uh, it's just that opportunity to show how much we love those in our lives by giving gifts. And what better time of the year, because it's actually around a time where God showed us how much he loved us by sending us the greatest gift ever, his son, Jesus. So at Christmas, we celebrate the idea that love gives. Now, I don't know about you, I like getting presents, but I love giving presents. I think that's actually one of my love languages, giving gifts. And uh, ever since Case and I have been married, I've always really tried to think of some unique gifts to give her and pick up on those little hints that she makes and uh, figure out what it is she really wants. I can remember, so this is like 20 years ago now, because we were still just dating. We weren't married at this point. Uh, She was just talking to me one day, and her birthday was approaching, but she'd seen this purse at TJ Maxx that she really liked, and she just briefly kind of described it. Now, this is before we had cell phones with cameras and stuff like that. So I had to go on just this snippet of what she'd told me. And I make my way to TJ Maxx the next day, and I'm looking all through the purses. And I'm like, well, this is brown, but I don't know if it's the brown. And she said it had straps. And I find when I'm like, this looks like what she described. I think this is the purse. There's only one of them. And I'm like, "I, I think this is the one. So I take it. And I bring it home. And that night, we're going out to celebrate her birthday. And I pick her up from her house. And because I love giving gifts, I also like surprises as well. So what I did was I tucked it under the passenger seat, this purse. It wasn't wrapped. It was just tucked under the passenger seat. So she gets in the car, and she buckles up. We start to drive. And I'm like, hey, can you just, there's like a bunch of trash on the floor there. Can you just kind of clear that out for me? Can you get that? Some of it went under the seat. And she's like, why? I was like, it was just messy. And she's, <laughs> I was telling her this story last night that I was going to tell it. She's like, I can still remember that. I can remember thinking, what, what kind of boyfriend are you? Clean your car out before you pick me up. He's such a slob. And I, but I, I'm like, I'm giggling because I know what's coming. And she's like pulling stuff. And I'm like, there's still more stuff. There's something tucked right under the seat. And she's like, all right. I was like, she's like, I got it all. I was like, no, I think there's something else. And she's getting more and more frustrated. And I'm getting more and more excited because I know that at any moment, and it did. She's like, ah. And she's like, what is it? <gasps> and she sees the person. She's like, no way. And it was the right person. I'm like, oh. <laughs> And she also said to me last night, why don't you do that anymore? But I do. I try. I, but that was a particularly good surprise. So uh, I, I do still get gifts. But um, maybe you're like me. Maybe you like to give. And Christmas is a great time to remember what it means to give. So for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that very idea that love gives. The difference it makes when love gives in our lives when we give and and the different ways in which we can give. So I'm excited to talk about this because I know that at Connect Church, you are a giving group of people. We have this wonderful culture here at Connect of, of giving. Anytime we do something, when Justin was talking about the, um, the thing we were doing for Christmas, I know that there'll be some of you today will take those ornaments. I know that many of you have already participated in Operation Christmas Child. We had hundreds of boxes brought back because many of you as families have already said, I want to give to someone else this Christmas. I don't want it just to be about us. I want to give to others. I know you'll do that with the clean water systems and the, the opportunity to get the ornaments for family gifts. I know that many of you give your time. We've... Um, 
We've got a building called the Connect Center that on November 1st we moved into. And just yesterday, there were some more people there. Yesterday morning, we're helping, giving some time. They were doing some cleaning and some painting. We've got some carpet being installed in the next week or two. So there were people getting the room ready for that. And as well as the, the people who gave their time in these last couple of projects, we've had a, a campaign that's been going on for the last few weeks. Our goal is to raise $25,000 to do all the refurbishment and to do all that we need to get this building ready. Because we've got some great plans for this building and how it'll meet the needs of Connect. But far more than that, how it'll become a, a resource for us to reach our community, to help connect our community to Christ. So we set this goal at um, uh, the beginning of November, and we, we set this board out, and this board has 25 light bulbs. And we said, as we reach, move towards our goal, each time we hit 1,000, we'll light a bulb. And this last week has been huge, and some people gave online, and some checks came in the mail, and we're at 14 out of our 25 bulbs. So thank you very much, those of you who have given. It's, it's so exciting to see that as a church, people want to give. And you can still give to that. There are cards on your seat. You can give through the app or you can um, give online. But we just thank all of you. I, I love that giving culture. But this morning, I want to focus on one aspect specifically of giving. In fact, the title of my message this morning is Love Gives Hope. Love Gives Hope. And I want to talk about what it looks like to have hope this Christmas. It's a very Christmassy word, isn't it? We've got a, um, one of our decorations that comes out every Christmas is this beautiful picture, and it's just the lines of one of the Christmas songs where it says, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoicing. I love that line from that song, that Christmas song, and the, 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 the idea that this is a time of hope as we reflect back on the Christmas story. So what does it mean to give hope? Well, have you ever noticed that through every stage of our lives, we seem to have this insatiable desire, don't we, to, to make sense of everything? We want to have hope. We want to be able to understand why everything happens. We want to be able to make sense of all the details in life. We just don't want this to be random, do we? We don't want this to be something that there is no purpose. And this isn't just a church thing. This is an everyone thing. And this is a, an every culture thing. I think across the world, people are the same. They just want there to be some sort of purpose to all of this. There's actually a, even a language that we use to reinforce this. We have phrases that we use. Have you ever used this phrase? Everything happens for a reason. When something happens in your life, maybe the transmission just went out in your car and you're looking at this colossal bill and someone says to you, well, everything happens for a reason. Well, thank you. What I'd rather hear is here's a check to cover the cost of the repairs of your car. But, but sometimes we've said that, haven't we, in the midst of, of chaos or in the midst of difficult situations. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Hope is what drives us to believe that. Now, for some of us, it's God. For others, it's kind of some cosmic karma, some power that's out there. But we want to believe that there is something out there driving what happens in our lives and what happens in the world. And it happens in all areas of our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you're single. You haven't met the right person yet. That's a phrase we use sometimes, isn't it? Well, I haven't met the right person. Maybe you were in a relationship and that relationship broke up and, and you've kind of resolved that and you've kind of come to peace with that because you said, well, I, just, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't that you played video games all day long in your basement and she was looking for someone with a bit more ambition or drive. It just, it just wasn't meant to be. 
And we use these, these phrases, don't we, to try and bring some purpose in the midst of the chaos so that it's not all just random. And we want to believe that that just wasn't meant to be because my meant to be her is someone still out there. She's still out there. He is still out there. Because when we break up, when we have a relationship breakup, or when something happens in our life that is kind of out of our control, we desperately want to believe that it's all going to work out. In fact, that's another phrase we use a lot, isn't it? It'll all work out. We want to believe that somehow it will all work out. That there is some purpose, some plan, some hope in this messy situation. Because think about it. Maybe you're here this morning and you met, you got engaged, you got married. You expected this to be a forever and ever thing and then, then divorce came along. This wasn't part of the plan and yet here is where you find yourself now. Or you're excited about that job and you could see it going up and up and you're one of these people who just you know, did well in reviews and did well in, in all these things and suddenly you find yourself here this morning and the job has disappeared. And you look at your situation you're saying, well, that, that wasn't meant to be. But in the midst of the pain, in the midst of that, um, the, those struggles, you don't want to believe that this was a random thing. You don't want to believe, well, I, surely there's something in control here. Or is this just life? Is this just what happens? We want to believe that when things happen, good and bad, that there is a reason for it. See, think about it. Here's another interesting question. Why is that? Why is that that's in you? Why is it that that's in me? Why do we have these thoughts? Why do we have these desires to want purpose and meaning? You see, I've got two cats, okay? Do you know what my cats do most of the day? Nothing. Yes, exactly. They sleep. They eat every now and again, and occasionally they'll chase a little red dot that they are convinced will destroy us all if they don't somehow manage to stop it moving around the wall. But for the most part, they sleep. Now, I don't know what my cat's thinking, but sometimes I look at it, and I don't think it's thinking, so I wonder how yesterday's nap is connected to today's nap. I wonder what's going on there. I wonder what the purpose is behind that. I don't see them looking at each other when they, they come into the room and one of them slept yesterday very comfortably on a backpack that was left on the floor and now the backpack is gone. I don't see them thinking, why is that? Who moved the backpack? Why would you do that? Why would you mess with my... They just look and think, hey, sweatshirt, I'll sleep there instead. You see, it's a human thing, isn't it? This is something, whether you're a cat or a dog, you know, they're not, this is something that we as humans are wrestling with all the time. The idea of, is there meaning? Is there purpose? It's a uniquely human trait, that, that something in us that just wants life to make sense. Now, followers of Jesus, we have an answer for that. We actually believe that everybody, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, whether you even believe in God or not, we actually believe that everybody is made in the image of God. And we believe that God is a purposeful God. That God is involved in history, that God sees things sequentially, that God actually can bring order out of the chaos, that he can bring design into things that seem to have no design. And I think that this thing in you that wants to find the sense and make sense of everything in life, to connect those dots, to see that things are arranged and lined up in a way that makes sense, I think that's a reflection of the image of God that's in you. That is God's image coming from you. I don't think you can get away from it. In fact, I think it's so deep in some of you that for some of you, it's actually how your faith journey began. 
I know stories of people here in Connect who will say that three years ago when that tornado hit our community, it was chaos. It was a mess. It was one of the, the hardest times in our lives. But looking back now, I can see how God was actually instrumental in that, bringing me to where I am right now. Some people here at Connect, their faith journey actually began as a result of that. Because they, they encountered God in the midst of that chaos. As followers of Jesus, we believe that there is purpose. That God's created us and that God is a God of purpose, a God of plans. And that we don't always know what it is and sometimes it fits together perfectly and sometimes it doesn't. But that thing in you that longs to create, that longs to connect the dots... That's there because God is a God of purpose. He brings good things out of bad. And he gives us, as followers of Jesus, hope. He gives us hope that in the midst of whatever we're going through in our lives, that there is a God of purpose who is at work in our lives, and we hold hope in that. And you know, there is no greater time that we see this, I think, than at Christmas. When we look at the Christmas story, we see a God of purpose and plans and a God who brings hope to a world that was desperately in need of hope. So this morning, as we think about the idea that love gives hope, I want to look at the Christmas story. We're going to start right out with the, uh, the account of a man by the name of Luke. Now, some of you may be very familiar with this part of the story. You may read the book of Luke. Some of you, this may be your family's tradition to sit on Christmas morning and open up your Bible to the book of Luke and, and read it because he talks so clearly about that first Christmas. So we're going to look at what he has to say. But before we do, just to kind of um, explain some things here, we don't do this all the time at Connect, but I don't know if you realize this, but the Bible isn't actually a book the way we think of a book. Okay, a book is a, a book written by one person. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, the Bible is more a collection of writings written by dozens of different authors over hundreds of years. Some of them are songs. Some are historical accounts. A lot of them are letters. And what we're going to read from this morning is, is one of those. It's a letter from a man by the name of Luke to a friend of his. You see, in the New Testament, there were four letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one of them were an account of the life of Jesus. There were four individuals who, who knew of this Jesus, either personally or knew people who knew Jesus, and they thought, you know, the stories I hear of this man, the things I remember of this man's life, they are too important for us to forget. I have to write this down. I don't think they realized that, that thousands of years later, we'd be sitting on Christmas morning reading their letter of the account of this man named Jesus. But they just knew at the time, this is too important. I have to write this down. So knowing that, listen to how Luke starts his account in Luke chapter 1. He says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. That's who he's writing to. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Do you know what that doesn't sound like to me? That doesn't sound like a story that begins once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, to me, this sounds like somebody who is sitting down to say, listen, I've done a lot of research. 
And I've talked to a lot of people, and I want you to know what I've discovered. These are the things that I've worked very hard to capture and to discover. Some of you may recognize this guy here. His name is Stephen Avery. A couple of years ago, you probably would never have heard of this gentleman. And then some documentary makers on Netflix decided to make a documentary called Making a Murderer. And they tell the story of this man's life and his arrest and his imprisonment. And it's a crazy story, and it's, a, um, uh, it's told very well by these documentary makers. But what it's done is it's, it's, it's made this person famous. So much so that just earlier this month, his nephew, who was also arrested, was about to be released from prison, and uh, it was headline news. Do you know, every day, hundreds of people across America are released from prison, and it's never written about. But because some people wrote a documentary about this person's life, his nephew being released from prison is nationwide news. Luke was a documentary maker of his day. He said, listen, this, this Jesus, this is so important. I want to write this down. I want people to know this story. This isn't a once upon a time. This is what I've discovered. So, so knowing that, I want to go into our Christmas story this morning. That we're not reading a, a story. This is something that somebody, a very educated man, a doctor in his day, worked very hard to capture the facts as clearly as he could. So listen to how he starts his account in Luke chapter 1. He says many, oh, sorry, I've read that part already. <laughs> Listen to how he continues on of what happens. He says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, we don't know much about Mary prior to this point, but based on the culture that she lived in, we do know this much. She was probably a teenage girl. She was engaged to be married to this man named Joseph, who she may not even have met at this point. Joseph's family would have met with Mary's family, and they would have come up with an arrangement and said, I think Joseph and Mary should be married, and this would have all been taken care of by their parents. And the goal was that hopefully after getting married, they would fall in love. But um, mainly the reason was that they would have children of their own and grandchildren and that their children would then marry other families' children. And this was just the way of the world in this time. Mary was a very insignificant person in a very insignificant part of the world. And yet suddenly God steps into Mary's life. God has a plan and it involves this young lady named Mary. And God shows that life isn't just random, that there is purpose. And that the purpose that he had for Mary's life wouldn't just impact her life, it would actually impact generations of lives for hundreds of years to come. This was Mary's story. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be, a very, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, you may be familiar with that passage. Maybe you've read that several times before, but, but to Mary, this was crazy. 
For starters, okay, Mary was living in a time that was the end of what, what we call the period of silence. There was a period of 400 years before or after the last prophet who wrote in the Old Testament until this point where God's voice just wasn't heard. There was a 400-year period where there was no record of God speaking to the people of Israel, nothing going on, just, just life was continuing. So suddenly, in the midst of this 400 years of silence, an angel shows up and appears to Mary. And I think she has to be looking at this angel thinking, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Because I've not got any reference to what is going on here. This is something that is very new to me. And then the angel says to Mary, you are going to have a son and he will be a king. In fact, he will be a king of a kingdom that will reign forever. And Mary has to be thinking, well, I know of some kingdoms. I know of the Babylonians. They, I know the history of the Babylonians. They were a mighty kingdom, but they didn't last forever. The Persians came in and they, they overthrew the Babylonians. And then the Persians, they were in power for 400 years until Alexander the Great came along. And the Greeks, and they overthrew the Persians. And now the Greeks were the mighty empire until their empire crumbled and the Romans came along. And Mary's now living in a time where the Romans are in power. So she's seen kingdoms come and go. And she's being told, not only are you going to have a son, but you're going to have a son who's going to be a king of a kingdom that will last forever. And with all this going through her mind, you'd think, man, there's a dozen questions she's probably got. But here's the question Mary asks. It says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She's saying, forget the kingdom part. Forget, you know, not having heard from God for a while. I think you've got the wrong person here. I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. I'm not sure what it was like for Mary to hear those words, but I think she realized this is out of the ordinary. There is something miraculous about this. And I just wonder if Mary was so grateful to hear this from the angel but wishes that the angel had told some other people too. Because as far as we know, this is the last time Mary hears from the angel. I have to wonder if there were times as that pregnancy developed where she just wished that the angel would show up and talk to her mom. Could you just tell my mom what you told me? Because she loves me, but she's having a bit of a hard time believing me. Angel, could you come and talk to my math teacher? Because the kids at school, they've jumped to a conclusion here, and it's a lot different version of the story than the one I'm trying to tell them. Mary's living in this difficult time. Fortunately, the angel did show up to Joseph, her husband-to-be, gave him the heads up, and Joseph goes ahead and still marries Mary. So you have this moment, the very beginning of the Christmas story, where this amazing purpose and plan is put into Mary's life. But imagine the chaos that then ensued following that. The questions that people would have asked, the, the looks of um, judgment from people in her community. And then on top of that, they find out that a, a census is being taken and, and Mary has to travel 120 miles by donkey to a small place called Bethlehem whilst pregnant. I did a bike ride earlier this year to raise some money for Compassion and I rode from here to Chicago over the space of two days with some friends. It was about 120 miles and it was not comfortable Riding a bike for that length of time is not comfortable, and I'm not pregnant. 
Honestly, I'm not. Mary's pregnant, riding a donkey, and she has to be riding this donkey 120 miles thinking, where's all that old favored woman? Come on, angel. Son of a king, I'm on a donkey. And then she gets to Bethlehem, and we all know the story. There's no room in any of the inns. She's thinking, angel, you can show up and tell me about the son of a king whose reign will last forever, but you can't get on Expedia and just book a room. And the ladies here are saying, well, it was probably a man angel. That's happened to us before as well. And poor Mary has to give birth to this baby in a, in a stable. But then some shepherds show up and talk about angels visiting them. And after that, a while after that, some wise men arrive and they bring gifts and they talk about a star. And, and Mary is hearing all of this. And then she finds out that Herod has got wind of this and he doesn't want a king to be threatening him. So he puts out an order that every child, every boy child under the age of two is to be killed. And Mary's warned by the angel, so they're able to get out of there. But, but she has to wrestle with that thought, thinking, well, angel, why couldn't you warn all the parents? I feel responsible now for the, the death of these children. And then as Jesus grows up, she gets to see her son become a young man, and then a grown man, and then suddenly a man of influence, with people following him and listening to his teachings. She gets to watch him perform miracles. She has to look on and think, this was the purpose the angel was talking about. I see it now that my son is a person of influence. He's a leader. And then suddenly when everything seems to be going well, she sees her son arrested. She stands outside a courtyard and listens as her son is beaten to within an inch of his life. And then hung on the most gruesome of, of crucifixions, the most gruesome way that the Romans could kill a person. And Mary had to look up and say, God, I can't make sense of this. There has to be a purpose. I need a meant to be. I need to understand where you are in this. You gave me this hope, but now I see this happening. And we have the advantage as we look back in history to say, but Mary, this is the greatest thing could happen because this is actually Jesus' victory over death. He will rise again three days from now. And because he rises again, he has victory over death. We can now have a relationship with God because Jesus bridged that gap, that separation between mankind and God because he allowed his, his life to be taken away from him only to rise up and overcome death. So Mary got to see that days later and then she gets to see her son rise from the dead. But I wonder what it was like in that moment, that, that Good Friday. The pain, the questions, what is the purpose in this? You know, it wasn't long after that Paul himself writes about this situation. He too had insight into this situation. He wrote this verse. He said, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Do you know what everything means there? Everything. Everything to work out according to his plan. You know, that thing in you that wants order, 
that thing in you that wants purpose, that thing in you that wants everything to work out for good, to somehow make sense. That is the thumbprint of God. And at Christmas, we are reminded that even when it seems random, even when it seems purposeless, even when it seems to have no good, even when it seems that this is a, an unredeemable illness that I'm facing, or this death in our family, this job loss, this, this situation, this marriage, surely there's nothing good that can come from this. At Christmas, we are reminded that God is with us. And like Mary, we can have hope. You know, at the end of the story, when the angel visited with Mary, listen to how she responds in verse 38. It says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I wonder how many times throughout her life Mary had to keep reminding herself about that. As she rode that donkey, heavily pregnant, so many miles. May everything that you said come true. I want to put my hope in God. Please, God, may this come true the way you have said. When there was no room at the inn, when the babies were being killed, when, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, I wonder if she was still, God, please, may everything that you've said about me come true. We can look back now and see that it did come true, that there was purpose in all of it, that God had an incredible plan for Mary's life and for Jesus and for us through Jesus. And this morning, we can put hope in that situation. We can look at that, and it'll give us hope. I was thinking about this idea. I'll, I'll close with this thought this morning. Um, a while ago, we, were, um, uh, we noticed that our dryer at home was making this noise. It was like a knocking noise. And um, I thought, that's kind of odd. So I'm, I'm kind of looking, trying to figure out what it is. Can't figure it out. So I'm going to call a repairman. But um, before I do, I thought, I'll just Google it. And maybe there's uh, someone else online who's had the same problem. I can figure out what's going on. So I, I typed the model number into my search engine. And, and up pops these different things. But one of the results was a video. So I click on this YouTube video. And there's this guy not a lot different than me, who's, who's basically videoed himself taking apart his dryer piece by piece. I mean, he's stripping this thing down to the, 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 the raw parts and has fixed it. And I'm watching this video on YouTube, and I'm thinking, I think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give that a shot. So I've, I've got the laptop on the washer, and I'm kind of play, pause, play, you know, unscrew this, take this part off, and bit by bit, and Casey arrives home halfway through, and she looks, and she just walks out and leaves again, and she's like, yeah, this isn't going to end well. But you know what? I got right down to this little part that was knocking, and I found the screw that was missing, and I went to Ace Hardware, I bought a new screw, I fixed it, and I spun it, and it stopped knocking. And then I looked at all the pieces on the floor, and I thought, you know, I probably should have labeled them as I was taking those apart, because I hadn't. So I started watching the video backwards, trying to remember, you know, and I, I had one screw left at the end, but I was pretty sure I knew where that went, so I just put it in the only hole it did fit in. And, and I put the drive back together, and it worked. I thought, hey, check it out. Yeah, some people are actually amazed. They're like, wow, I know you, Dave. That, that's, that's not the end of the story I was expecting. So a couple of months ago, I decided uh, we were going to replace our deck. And do you know what? There's a video on YouTube. There's a guy who's done his deck. And I thought, I think I can do this. So I started to do the work. And, and nine weeks later, I got it done. That's how long it normally takes to do a deck, right? It's about nine weeks, two months, I think. But, uh, but I got it done. You see, here's why I'm telling this story. I, as I watched those videos of these ordinary people doing this, it almost it gave me hope that I could do this. 
It gave me that hope of thinking, I can do this. Someone at first service came up to me at the end and said, you know, you should sometimes put your hope in repairmen as well, because they can do it also. But watching those videos, it gave me some confidence, it gave me some hope. I want this Christmas time, whatever you're going through in your life right now, if there is some chaos in your life right now, if there is some pain, if there are some unanswered questions, if there are some situations where you're, you're literally looking to God saying, God, I, I'm trying to make sense of this right now, what's happened, but I just cannot figure this out. Like I watched those videos, I want you to look back at the life of Mary. There had to be times where she looked up to God saying, God, I remember what the angel said, but it just really doesn't seem to make sense right now. But we know the Christmas story. We know why that baby was born in that manger. We know why one day he grew up to become a man that, that hung on a cross because love gave to us. God gave us his son. And at Christmas time, we can remember through the story of Mary that love gives hope. Let's pray. God, I pray for all here this morning. Lord, for some, Christmas can be a terrifying time of the year. Financially, we can have family members who we know we can't give the gifts that they really want. It can be a difficult time, family. It can be a different time because it reminds us of family members who are no longer with us. It can remind us of Christmases gone by where our family looked a lot different than it does right now. And for many of us, Lord, we can look at situations in our life and, and it brings questions to mind. Why, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this to happen? What is the purpose in this? But God, I believe that we are made in your image and that you are a God of purpose, that you have a plan. And sometimes we don't understand all the ins and outs of it and sometimes it doesn't fit together as neatly as we'd like it to. But God, I pray that we would have hope this morning, hope in a God who loves us so much, who has a plan for us. We sang this song earlier. It said, nothing's going to stop the plans you've made. Nothing's going to take your love away. You will always be more than enough for me. Lord, nothing can stop the plans you've made. So help us to have hope in that promise this morning. And during this Christmas time, help us to remember that love gives hope. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.